Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,245. Well, it may be wintertime, but you know what that means? It's time to head to the desert, Phoenix, Arizona, and enjoy some car fun. Auction fun. We're going to have some fun today. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm in Salisbury, Maryland with an old friend of mine, a guy that gets around. Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous of this guy by the name of Brad Phillips. Brad, welcome back to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? <laughs> I think I am, Mark. It's great to see you again. Thanks for having me. Well, absolutely. You're a guy that I'm a bit envious of because as I follow you on Facebook and Instagram and all your shenanigans, you are everywhere, driving everything, having fun all the time. And I'm thinking, I'm sitting here behind a computer all day. I think Brad's got life figured out a little better than I do. You're having a lot of fun, my friend. Always. I, I think cars are the ultimate tool to fun. Right. You can invest in them. You can drive them. You can rebuild them. Whatever your mode is with your hobby. I like that and use stuff and drive it. Yeah. Well, you do a great job with it. So very, very cool. Well, I'm going to give you a proper introduction. But before I do, I'm going to ask you this question, which might be hard to answer because everybody knows everything about Brad and Brad knows everybody. But hmm. what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you? Oh, Boy, really? Okay. Yeah. I feel like since we've done this before, I got to come up with new stuff for you. <laughs> but honestly, so something I've been thinking of a lot is getting into hardcore metal detecting. What? I don't know why, but I watch these ridiculous YouTube videos all the time about people that find old 1600s coins in fields. And I'm like, that's my new hobby. I want to do that. Yeah. Like, like you need a hobby. Well, you know, you, you branch out. You keep doing these things. But that's something I have legitimately been thinking about. I almost asked my family for one of these ridiculous setups for Christmas so I could go out in the yard and start rooting around. I did not do that, but I might. Well, you know, I grew up in Southern California. and I was a surfer, and you'd always see those old guys walking up down the beach with the metal detectors, finding all the stuff that we lost in the sand. <laughs> and, you know, and I see these guys on YouTube now that use these giant, powerful earth magnets and they throw them into canals and lakes and they drag them across and they pull up all this stuff. I've yet to see anybody find anything of value. Usually it's old bicycles or guns that criminals threw in the canal or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> well, you know, whatever floats your boat, as I say. Thank you. You're welcome. So let me give you a proper introduction. We're going to dive into the focus of today's talk. Brad Phillips is the Senior VP of Business Development at RM Sotheby's, the world's largest collector car auction house by total sales. They conduct auctions around the world, and this month they will return for their annual Arizona auction. It takes place January 26th at the Arizona Biltmore in Phoenix, Arizona, where they realized over $43 million in sales back in 20. 22. They sold a few cars. The first thing you'll learn about Brad is that he knows everyone, at least in his automotive world, from the 1967 Chevrolet Corvette that he grew up watching father work on in the family garage. Brad has enjoyed a lifelong love of running and restoring 
classic cars. He's always got a variety of automotive projects in his garage with extensive hands-on experience in the automotive world as the executive director of LeMay, America's Car Museum, we talked about last time we were on the show, as well as operating one of the top insurance agents in the country selling classic car insurance for years. Uh, this month, you'll find Brad in Arizona selling cars. So here we go. But first, oh, a word from our sponsor. We got to talk about them because they put the fuel in the tanks here. So buckle up, get your bidder card ready, and we'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So we're back. So let's talk about this auction coming up because... It starts the new year. What a way to start the new year. Get out of the cold. For me, get out of the rain because you are up here in the Pacific Northwest. It rains a little bit up here and get to Arizona to enjoy some cars. So let's first talk a little bit about RM Sotheby's. You're rather new there. Uh, this is a new venture for you in the past year, 2022. What's your impression of RM Sotheby's? You're having fun, I think. Oh, it's great. You know, like like we've talked about, people buying cars and selling cars, this is this is how you be in the hobby. This is how you go do fun stuff. You have to have something to go do it in. So it's awesome to be a part of all this. I do a lot of sponsorships and partnerships and work with our sales specialists and collectors all over the country and even had a, the ability to go to our Big Monaco sale earlier this year. So when I land in January, obviously for the big sale here that we're doing, that'll be about a year that I've been with this company. And uh, yeah, it's been absolutely great. And what a wonderful way to start the year. I think we, we would all agree, Scottsdale in January, that's the month to go. Awesome weather and uh, perfect. A lot of fun people ready to have some good collecting fun. Well, people, yeah, there's going to be a lot of fun people there. And it's really uh, during that whole auction week, there's your auction, other auctions, there's car shows on each end of this thing. I've had many of these guests on for these car shows that are coming up. So there's so much to do. I just say spend the whole month of January in Arizona, you know, I mean... <laughs> 
that's the way to do it. The food is great. The people are great. Let's talk a little bit about some of the cars you guys have, because I had your colleague Gord on the show uh, about a week ago, and he talked about some specific cars. And since he'd not been on the show before, we kind of got into some personal side. I'm going to delve there a little bit with you today, but I want you to walk us through some of your favorite lots. I know you've pulled up a few cars, so take us on a little journey of what we expect to see. Yeah, this is great. You know, we've got about 75, 78 lots at this point that we've got loaded in, and there are always more that come in. This is going to be a one-day sale, so we can't do 150 cars in one day. I think people would go a little crazy on that. But I like to pick mine in categories. So let's start off with what I think is the loudest car. Okay. Okay? Yeah. How does the 65 Shelby 427 Cobra competition car do it for you for loudest what okay. what do you say i can't hear you brad but get your foot off the gas yeah 500 plus horsepower out of this and one of the reasons why it's so iconic there are a couple of things right so it's the press car it's the one that that shelby took all over the country to say we're building these aren't they awesome so that's really cool and it's got that elvis halo factor because it was in the movie Spin Out, now painted a different color in for that movie. But anytime you've got Elvis involved with cars, everybody knows he loved his big Cadillacs. He had a BMW 507 that was really famously aligned with him some years ago that sold very well. And this Cobra, him driving it in the movie, we think this car is going to be three, three and a half million dollars. A pretty cool kickoff in that upper echelon of the auction for sure you like it i love it imagine driving through the desert and that thing just screaming through the canyons and up in the, the hills and the, yeah okay nice start my friend there you go all right how about my category for space shuttle for its time what <laughs> space shuttle for its time okay 87 porsche 959 comfort now they had a sport version of this that was a little lighter on the creature comforts and then they had this comfort, which is, you know, all the, ni the nicer seats and everything was, was kind of laid out a little more plushly. Still, four-wheel drive, 200-mile-an-hour supercar. This is a, a relative bargain for $1.6 to $2 million. And I say that because we just sold a Canapa SC oh. version of this at our Miami sale that was almost $3 million. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting when you've got a breathed on, quote unquote, improved version of a really iconic factory car that brings more money. That's a real tribute to what Bruce does with with his cars, right? And, and upgrading everything about them, starting with the, with the tub. But these cars themselves, I've, I've been around a lot of these, we're both Porsche nuts. So we can appreciate the fact that this is a car that everything, you know, that Porsche knew in racing and in production cars was put into this. And then everything that came after it was built on this technology. All the four-wheel drive systems and the 911 turbos and everything that came out, they all came from the evolution of this car. So the, the trickle-down effect from racing to production and on down the line is, is so evident for this. And it was just, it knocked the world on its butt when it came out back in the in the 80s. So that, that's a huge favorite of mine regardless. Well, very cool. And, you know, whoever buys that, if they wanted to take it to Bruce and have him put his scent on it, uh, they could still do that. And there might even be some room left. I've been to Bruce's and he walked, he, he spent some time there walking me around what he does to these cars. I mean, only Bruce Canop could take the best of the best of that time and then make it even better. So that's what he does. But this car, yeah. I like it. Nice choice. What's next? How about 
coolest garage art. You know, doesn't necessarily have to be a running vehicle to be super cool. Uh, we have a Duesenberg Model J engine on a stand. Okay. I'm a, if I had room, I would have every cool engine known to man lined up along the wall, right? Yeah. I think they're fascinating to look at. Um, I would still, I think you and I have talked, if I could even have like an old diesel, like a like an 8V71 Detroit over on a stand that I could run and idle and make noise for my neighbors with beers, like that would be an awful lot of fun too. You know, in between metal detecting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Somehow I'd like to assume for myself, but uh, I really like it. Duesenbergs are fascinating to me. And you have to think that this engine, it was for something else, right? They haven't all survived. Um, And if you wanted to do research, and I'm sure we know exactly where it came from, you actually get the engine number on these off the crankshaft. There's a, a special stamp on the crank, and that's how you can for sure know what the engine belonged to. This one is just available for uh, for fun. I think we've got a uh, 150 to 300 thousand on it. But let me tell you, also at our Miami sale that we just finished up, we had a Ferrari 365 GTC4 engine that was all blinged out and had been made into a a table with a glass top on it. Wow! And it sold for almost for 250 thousand dollars, which was quite. Bit overestimate. So again, I think people are looking at some of this stuff and going, what an interesting piece of history that I can do something unique with. So who knows what it sells for, but there you go. Well, we'll see. It's that beautiful green that they built, you know, they painted so many of those engine blocks and yeah, it is a work of art. I mean, yeah, I, I would do that. I'd put that in my entry. I think my wife might even let me get away with that. Yeah. See, you've got a great setting in there. Imagine having that Duesenberg engine behind you. Right there. Yeah. I can see it. Okay. Well, you know, Christmas is coming. So just bid for me, bud. Okay. Uh, you know, they, uh, they don't like, uh, employees bidding on stuff. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think there's some rules about that. <laughs> I think there are. Yeah, it's not, not exactly the wild, wild west in there, regardless of what people think auctions are like. It's actually pretty regulated on what you can do and what you can't do, which is, which is good. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll ask my wife to bid for me then. We'll, we'll go that route. Yeah. Okay, cool. Nice choice. Nice choice. Next up. All right. Next up. How about analog-ish supercar? My favorite. Analog-ish. Ish. Ish. So 1999 Lamborghini Diablo VT, and this is the Roadster, which isn't Roadster Roadster. It's got like a big target top that pops out of it, but it is a little different than the coupe. This thing is super menacing looking. If If you're looking at our website on this, it's silver. It just, it looks gorgeous. I think some of the, you know, supercars can take a lot of forms. A lot of people have painted cars silver over the years now. And it's like people are like, oh, okay, another silver, whatever. But this on the Diablo VT, it looks amazing. This is fast. Again, 200 miles an hour. But it's got, you know, it's a true manual transmission car. And the four-wheel drive system in these things, the evolution for this, you remember like the Lamborghini, the LM002? That yes. Cr- Crazy, giant, tired four-wheel drive. Well, once again, the trickle-down effect, the the modified viscous traction system in this car came from the evolution of that big four-wheel drive that they developed for for quasi-military sales that never really manifested itself. And now it's just, you know, if you need to hop a curb on Rodeo Drive, probably. Yeah, I need to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I love the Diablo VTs. I think they're super cool. And it's funny also because we've talked about this some before in the evolution of Lamborghini, that car as modern as it looks, this followed the Countach and it was before the Murcielago. So 
I think it was a really big jump in the aesthetics and the modernization of what people saw out of Lamborghini at this time. You go back and you look, it's not like Porsche that's had all these different evolutions, tick, 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 tick down the line. Lamborghini did something. They stuck with it for a pretty good while. And then they migrate to another big chunk of, of technology and evolution that Diablo really, really is a big leap forward in creature comforts and, uh, and drivability. So I think it works so well. It's only... It's only 425, 475. Oh, is that under, all? Yeah, oh. Of course, you know. Now, if you have a have a coupe version also for sale, so you know if you wanted to, you buy two twins. You know, yeah, they could sit side by side. You have one for the rainy days, one for the not rainy days. Yeah. Okay, I like it. Cool. Next up. Next up. All right. Pre-war, because people forget how cool pre-war cars are. Okay, so this is right kind of on the edge. 1940. Okay, it's not, uh, not quite that old. I call it a cusp of all of it. But um, the Lincoln that we have, it's a 1940 Lincoln. This is a V12 powered convertible. And when you look at this car, you think of something that just puts a smile on your face. This is one of the more uh, inexpensive cars that are going to be at the auction. And it's an estimate of like $50,000 to $70,000. Okay. I think this is one of those that's a real buy because if at that money... I believe the future is really bright for this kind of stuff. And it's it's gorgeous. It's a beautiful color. Um, imagine taking your family out on a nice fall day in this. I, I just think it's great. And, you know, these are kind of Zephyr-derived styling and all that stuff. I, I just And I love that V12. The Lincoln V12, I think, is such a special motor that um, this one really kind of got my heart. Do you like this stuff? I mean, we like Porsches and stuff. Do you like older cars like You know what? Yeah. If it rolls on rubber, I love it. That's my saying. Uh, the great thing about this, and you touched on it, is different price points. And a lot of people look at auctions and they think, ah, too expensive. I can't ever go to an auction. But my goodness, you know, we're talking two, three million dollar cars and now 50,000, 70,000. Yeah, more realistic, right? Camry money. Well, you know, it's this is part of the art of when these auctions are put together also. We've got a really great team of people that has to figure out. We have the time available and the space available to sell X amount of cars, right? So we have to turn things away or try to move them to other sales because there's just not enough space and time to auction everything all the time. So you have to prioritize what flows well with each other. Wait, because when you look at an auction, you know, you've got a you've kind of this rising curve and ebbing of values and, and different eras and things like that to keep make it a really kind of like a dynamic show. Like people really like the fact that you that you're very pre-planned on this stuff and where the layout is. This kind of stuff is really, really fun. I like to see it in the mix. I like to see different um, eras of cars and different price points mixed in together. And um, we have several that I think are fascinating that aren't million dollar cars. They don't all, you know, it's like uh, the old saying, the, um, the price of knowing the price of everything and the value of nothing, right? Really good cars, really expensive cars need to be really good and expensive for a reason. Like they set a benchmark in history or they had a performance thing that no one else could do. Maybe they had like a special celebrity ownership that really meant something to the hobby at large. Those kind of things, I think, make it fun. But you can apply that same thought to a $30,000 car if you want to. It just may be the very best one of its kind. And maybe that's why the value it is. But it doesn't mean it's any less interesting. Oh, absolutely. Nice choice. Cool. Okay. All right. How about wolf in sheep's clothing? Ooh. Okay. You probably might know which one I'm going to pick from this. I gave you a minute to dig through since we haven't gone through these in advance. Actually, 
thank you for this. this is a lot of faith you have me on you're like all right so you're gonna talk about some stuff yeah great all right we're live perfect let's do it <laughs> hey i have all my trust in you my friend all right wolf and sheep's clothing 1977 so we're kind of bouncing back up in history a little bit here kind of the malaise era but not with mercedes-benz and their 6.9 liter super sedan Nice. I These like are it. mega cool. Again, this is a fifty to seventy-five thousand dollar car. You know, uh, these are amazing. Uh, I think the last time we talked, I I may have just still had my my three hundred SEL. I had a six point three, which was kind of the spiritual predecessor to this. The, the six nines. This is a dry sump engine, huge power. You know, it was three hundred or so horsepower, which wasn't that didn't seem like that much, but the torque was ungodly in these things and you know they would cruise these are 145 mile an hour highway autobahn cruisers gumball rally car maybe not <laughs> any advance in speed you would lose having to fill it back up every 36 miles <laughs> yeah probably so probably so but you'd be doing this style yeah this is great i mean brock yates had a really famous article back in the 70s when so when he took one of these from new, you know, he was a you know, very famous, you know, automotive journalist, right? So Mercedes gave him one to test and he drove from like New York down to road Atlanta and tore around the track and then drove it back. And it did, did nothing wrong. It was fast and capable. So that's the kind of thing that you get with a car like that. You can, it, it's a race car that you could take everybody to dinner. In. It's, yeah. It's pretty epic. Oh, they're cool. And yeah, it's kind of the ending of that hand-built era of cars, Mercedes-Benz, rock solid, everything. So, okay, nice choice. And you've got a couple nice Mercedes-Benz on, on the website there. So you listeners can go and check out Arm Sotheby's Arizona. There's some beautiful Mercedes-Benz for sale. Yeah, it's, it's tough because there's a lot of the famous hits, right? 300 SL Roadster and all this sort of stuff. A lot of really, really good cars. I'm, I'm not picking these because they're, the other ones aren't cool. Well, yeah, got to narrow it down. Yeah. Okay. How about... Hybrids. Ooh. There are a couple of different ways you get my favorite hybrid of this. Hybrids? Hmm. Many people would say, oh, the obvious choice, Brad, is going to talk about the four and a half million dollar Ferrari LaFerrari, right? <laughs> yeah. No. no. That's a great car, and we hope it sells really well. That would be fantastic. And they're really great, and they're a technological, you know, wonder force of everything, right? But I like the kind of hybrids that are the, uh, Beautiful European styling with the lump of a V8 engine from America tucked inside. Okay. Now, we have a couple of examples of that actually at the sale. But the one that I like that I think is really cool for this is the 71 ESO Grifo. And it's a, it's a two. So ESO, I mean, these are beautifully bodied coach-built cars, right? And they chose the drive line of that era Corvette in it for plenty of power, ease of serviceability, and to get it to a price point where they could sell the heck out of these things. And I love it. In 71, you could get a big block version of this, or you get a small block version of this. This is the small block one that we're selling at this particular location. It's kind of like Cobras. You could, if you want to, if you're a small block Cobra person, or you're a big block Cobra person, Corvettes, small block, big block. ESO, same thing, small block, big block. A lot of people they want that raw power, noise, and explosive acceleration of, of the big block car. But a lot of people really love small block versions of these because they handle, they're lighter over the front axle, they turn really well. And I, you know, these are 300 and some horsepower, plenty of power to be fun and meaningful. 
So I, I don't mind the fact that this is a small block version and uh, I forget what exactly it's going to go for. We could probably even look it up. I forget. But anyway, it's a really, really great car. This is one that I would I would certainly pick as one of my favorites also. Well, those are wonderful, that combination of American iron and European styling and body. And there's several car marks out there that do this really well. But the, the Iso Grifo, Grifo Bertone bodied. Uh, correct. I got that right. So yeah. Yeah. So beautiful, beautiful car. Okay. Well, you're taking us on a nice little journey today. You know, I'm trying. (laughs) Uh, let's see. I think I got one more. Okay, cool. That, um, that was pretty fun. And I will just call this one muscle car madness. Okay. Because people, a lot of us think like, oh, okay, well, RM Sotheby's, they really specialize in kind of that high end European sports car stuff, right? Well, to a certain extent, yes, we are very strong in that way. But we also really love unique American muscle cars. So we have two that we're selling that I, that I thought were really sweet. One is a Boss, a 70 Boss 429. How do you argue this is, you know, a, again, a, a race car for the street? Ford had to make a certain amount of these so they could go race and all that sort of stuff. And here we go. Boss 429. Great. In a really unique color, too. Yeah. Yeah. Great car. Love it. And then we also have a 69 Hemi GTX convertible. So again, when you talk about the top engine option, the, the Chrysler Hemi, that just evokes this real passion in so many people. This particular car is a one of five built. So it's got, every, it's got a you know, four speed and the heavy duty rear end and all the different stuff that you want a, a 426 Hemi GTX to have. I, I think we're going to have great buyers for, for both of those cars. And uh, the, the Hemi is at like 190 to 225 estimate. The Boss 429 was a little higher, 275 to 350. So both of those are um, are really spectacular buys, I think, for that much history and, and heritage. So nice job, my friend. I knew you'd taken us on a on a cool little journey here. That's <laughs> pretty neat. Well, you know what it does for you listeners is it really gives, really gives you an idea of Arm Sotheby's, yeah, the broad range spectrum of cars that are going to be there. And I always say going to an Arm Sotheby's auction, it's like going to a little mini Concord. You walk around, you do the pre, pre-inspection pre show the 25th on January, the day before the actual auction. You get to experience the cars. There's people there to talk to. You can learn about the cars. Uh, you know, it's a wonderful experience. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take you on a little personality twist here since you've been on the show before i've asked you some of these questions but i'm going to tie this to the cars at this auction so what we're going to start with is what i typically call a special vehicle story if you were to pick one that you could take home which one would it be oh well okay i mean a lot of these i would say i would like to take of course we all would How about if we tie it if we tie it to what I really love and what kind of evokes the pulls yeah. the old heart strings here? Yeah. Right? Okay. So I really like, and if you go back, you can see it's like I think it's a I think it's a beautiful green color. We have a '68 Shelby GT500 KR fastback. Ooh. Okay. Shelby's uh, mean the world to me. I think they're fascinating. I've always been a Mustang person, also. My, my very first car was a 65 Mustang 2 plus 2. So there's there's something in, in this particular car. I like the color. I like what it represents. It feels good. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to own a different Shelby, like a 65 or a 66 or a 67. The 68, to me, I, I think represents a little bit of a value on, on those other cars. 
And it's a lot, it's very similar to the 67, but it, it sometimes it doesn't get all the same attention. So I love this car. I think it's epic. It's got the big block motor. It's ready to go. And I like cars that you can drive, put them on tours and things. This would be an excellent car to run on like the Copper State 1000 and really stretch those legs out through the desert. That would put a smile. Copper Escort, of course. Of course. Uh, <laughs> you know. so, I, so I like this. This means something to me. Like if I had to just pick one and say, I'm going to bid on that, and I'm going to buy it, take it home. I would make a strong run at that car. I think it's awesome. Nice choice. So the car psychology question, I asked my guests to dig deep into their psyche. And if they were reincarnated manifest as a vehicle. This isn't what you want to be, though. This is your personality, and you've got quite the personality. Hmm. Which of the cars you're selling is the inside of Brad Phillips? Well, I thought about this in a little bit, and I'm going to scare <laughs> everybody with this. Uh-oh. You know, if I, if I really want to be honest about who I am and what one of these cars might represent, we are selling an Excalibur. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. You are scaring me now. Yeah, I know. I know I am. So, um... If I pop over to it, let's see. If I look, it's it's probably, yeah, it's uh, it's an '83. Yeah, it's an Excalibur Series Four Roadster. It's a hundred to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So it's it's not the end of the world on the money. And these types of cars are getting more interesting to people every year because they're just so weird. And <laughs> they, you know, it's you know, that's like, is it a five forty K? Well, no, <laughs> you know, but. It's, fun it's like you you're going to go out you're going to go into the world this is the kind of car everywhere you go you're hoping to get a smile from somebody when you go out and drive it and i'll admit that's that's mostly what i'm about i want to go somewhere and i want to have fun and i don't want to be any no high pressure how do we all interact together and go have a good time i feel like the excalibur says that exactly <laughs> how are you going to go in with a sour face driving an excalibur just it's not going to happen <laughs> nicely done i like it so, Brad, I always ask people about a book they'd like to share because we love books here. You guys just happen to have a couple books, albeit they're different kinds of books that you're selling at this auction, right? We do. Matter of fact, we've got a full like owner's manual pouch set up for a couple of different cars, one being the Ferrari F40 and another the 288 GTO. And, you know, and the estimates on the 288 GTO, for instance, $14,000 to $18,000. Well, you, people are, oh my God, who would pay that for a, for a books that go in the glove compartment? Well, you look at what a 288 GTO has done over the past few years. Right. They're a million. No, they're two. Nope, they're three. They're four. Yeah. They're $4 million and rising cars. And for that perfect, perfect show car, you have to have the tools and the books and all this stuff. And anybody at that level that is buying one of these cars, if they don't have these particular documents, it's going to ding them in judging and the car won't be quote unquote complete potentially to someone like that. So for them to have these, you know, we've seen books and literature and tools go for all the Ferrari models over the years. And we almost always get surprised by how much they're worth. But it also feels really good to reunite them with the car that they should belong to. So it's a, it's a cool opportunity and you never know. Could be great. Most expensive book ever recommended on cars. Yeah, right there. So <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And you've got two of those. So again, shows the diversity at RM Sotheby's and all the great things that they offer. So, so here's the fun part. I'm going to enable you to go on what I call the ultimate drive. You've done this before. And before I pose this question, you uh, had gone some on some ultimate drive. You do, do this uh, 
uh, a trip across the United States every year. And I hear you and your buddies just been upgraded to expert level. I want to learn a little bit more about that. Tell me about this. Yeah. So, so this is um, the great race. And this is something um, a, a good friend of mine, uh, Dan Stahl, and I have done as part of the Stahl race team for the past I don't know, five or six years. And I raced in this for years before that with, with different cars. But the idea is that it's about a 2200 mile time speed distance rally and it starts and finishes somewhere different in the country. Last year, we went from um, Rhode Island. My God, where did we finish last year? We went all the way. <laughs> you, you finished so many places. It was 2000 miles and we went across the country. Anyway, but this upcoming year, we are going from St. Augustine, Florida to Colorado Springs, Colorado. So we always run Sportsman, which is. We've, it's a good class to run in because you get a certain amount of drops. Like if you have a lousy leg on a distance, you can drop one a day. And we're like, okay, that usually takes the one out that we were daydreaming and not pay attention to the clock in our 1916 Hudson that we run. Well, we found out that because we've now won the day five times and we came in and our good placement overall last year, they've moved us up. So expert class, it's a lot more competitive. You can't drop as many legs. So we're all like, competition's on yeah well we have a great time with it and i really encourage people there's a lot of different ways to go and enjoy a car some people want to go drive a tour where they're just looking out down the windshield and they maybe have a root book and they you know like their only concern is that they get to lunch before lunch is over and then they go on and want to do the same thing at dinner and make it to the cocktail truck waiting for them in the parking lot at the hotel love that that is a ton of fun but then there's also the spirit of competition that you can do out on public roads in these great race format time speed distance rally where it's all about precision. You got to be point A to point B and through secret checkpoints six, seven, eight times a day. Yeah. Across all the nine days of rallying, I find that also to be absolute heaven. And if you know, anybody's interested in that kind of it's greatrace.com, it's just the website to go to. And if if you're interested in that kind of thing, it is, man, is it a learning curve, but it's so rewarding and so much fun. Yeah. I had a couple young ladies that were winners of that event uh, on my show here. Um, amazing young, young teenager girls that uh, did really well in that event. The Jeffries, right? <laughs> yes. I, incredible. Yeah. All the old guys looking at them going, dang. <laughs> the old guys have seen them race since they were like 11 yeah. in the backseat of their parents' car who were also grand champions. So None of us are surprised. <laughs> no, no. They, they've got great training. So here's how I'm going to mix this question up for you. You can pick any of the cars at this this January's auction, RM Sotheby's is offering, to take on this year's great race. You get to pick one. Which one's it going to be? Boy. All right. So it's got to be a 1974 and earlier, right? So that puts it in. Now, the problem is, if you're 1974, you get no time factor. So then you run straight up all day. So the older of a car you run, the better of a time factor you get. So I would go back and look at what's the oldest car that would be the fastest car. Nah, I'd throw all that out the window. The 52 Allard K2. Oh, you know, I knew you'd pick something fun. <laughs> Bugs in the teeth. Yeah. Way, you, you drive through a Oklahoma hailstorm. You're out in the middle of it. You just tuck down, tuck your cap down a little bit and keep going. The Allard would be awesome. 52 would be enough of a factor, a little bit, not much. But the wow of going into every town, rumbling through in the Allard, that would be, that'd be excellent. I'd pick the Allard. 
You know, I envision your dentist when you go in for your, you know, twice annual cleaning, looking down in your mouth and going, yep, there's a bug. Yep, there's a bug. Uh, you've been driving across country again, eh, Brad? <laughs> you haven't lived till you've been pounded right in the middle of your forehead by a, a June bug. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got to spend a day in a uh, 1917 past Indy race car at the Ironstone Concours. I felt a little bit like you that day. Those things, you feel pretty vulnerable in those cars. Up high, and the guy driving it race, races that car, part of the old timers group. And uh, yeah, I got smacked in the face by a few bucks that day. We almost hit a deer that day too, which scared the heck out of me because I'm thinking, okay, if we hit that deer, we're in trouble. Uh, but the deer looked up and thought better. I'm going to lose this battle and went the other way. So we we were lucky. But uh, yeah, nice job. Well, you've taken us on another wonderful journey. You know, Brad, it is so fun talking to you. Uh, for you listeners, if you don't follow Brad on Facebook, you got to. This guy knows how to have fun. He, his whole life is about having fun. And I had the pleasure of meeting his wife and daughter when they were out here. And uh, I think I said to your wife, uh, you must be a saint to put up with this guy because uh, he is quite the fun guy. And she said, he makes every day a smile. So there you go. I think that was wonderful. Could you leave us with maybe some uh, words of wisdom when it comes to going to an auction and having fun? Yeah, I, I would just say, just be prepared to to have a good time, right? Um, there are, you said it really well that it's kind of like a concours that you can you can walk around it, and things are very attainable because the idea behind one of these auctions is that we're going to maximize the return for the seller. So they have a lot of trust in us that when they can sign a car with RM, that we're going to sell it really well and sell it to another enthusiast. I hope that goes and does more fun stuff with it, right? So we throw a good party. We like having people around. We've got a lot of really friendly, smiling people that are there to answer good questions for you. And usually our auctions are around places where other car people are gathering for another event. They're not all like that. Like our Miami sale was a standalone you know, experience. But you know, when you're at Monterey Car Week or Amelia Island, Hershey, come see us. Make a point to come by the RM auction and check out what we've got and meet some of our people. And I'm, I'm sure you'll be um, pleasantly surprised at how engaging of an experience it is. It's not meant to be intimidating. We want new people and new blood into these things all the time. And uh, come talk to us or find me and talk to me, whatever you need. There you go. Personal invitation from Brad Phillips. So uh, next thing to do once you're done listening to the show, go online, check out rmsotheby's.com, book a flight and go to Arizona because it's going to be fun. Brad, thanks for taking a pit stop with us and sharing your thoughts and uh, wisdom when it comes to cars. Always great to see you. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you at the RM Sotheby's Arizona Auction at the Biltmore in Phoenix. See you soon. Thanks, buddy. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. You know what? We are all wired differently and not everyone needs to go to a four-year university. Technical education and the skilled trades matter, and one can build a solid career as an auto, diesel, or collision technician. 
They're no longer blue-collar jobs, they're new-collar careers, as the technology and skill sets have become so advanced. Support career and technical education by getting involved with TechForce Foundation. It's a Cars Yeah! charity of choice. Learn more at techforce.org. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!